Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Bill Moyer. He is the co-founder and the executive director of the Backbone Campaign, a wonderful organization that has been around for years now, and you should know about it if you don't. Go to backbonecampaign.org. Bill, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. So great to be in uh, connection with you right now after some so many years of collaboration, and so thank you again. And it is so great that Shell Oil Company seems to have picked the wrong harbor to bring its oil drig, drilling rig to uh, uh, Seattle, where you and and your uh, co-conspirators uh, live on an island out there in the water, and you have you have caused them an incredible amount of trouble and made an incredible amount of noise around the the disaster that Arctic drilling would be with your Shell No flotilla and paddle in Seattle and activists on kayaks called kayaktivists. Give us a give us an account of how this came to be and what's happened. Well, you know, the unfortunate uh, collaboration of the Port of Seattle uh, or miscalculated collaboration maybe uh, of the Port of Seattle to use our public as a home base for Arctic drilling uh, was so absurd and obscene to the regional community uh, that, in a sense, it was a, a kind of gift, a happy accident that, that uh, opened up a whole opportunity to make remote issues, such as climate or Arctic drilling, immediate to people. The uh, arrival of the rig though uh, by for some it was an unwelcome arrival uh, we really could not have mobilized people or uh, captured their imagination or, or the, engaged them in the imaginative exercise to, of their own power to re- to actually stop have a material effect on Arctic drilling so I'm very grateful to Shell, uh, despite all the protests uh, um, ahead of time, provided us this incredible, monstrous prop in the middle of Elliott Bay, way out of proportion with everything else, and uh, and uh, becoming the you know the um, the uh, the villain in this story about people versus big oil. It makes me wish that radio had images. Uh, people can go to talknationradio.org and go to backbonecampaign.org, but there are these incredible images of hundreds of activists in bright colored kayaks going up against this oil rig that looks like something from outer space uh, and and holding up your uh, your signature giant orange signs spelling out your messages um, how how far <laughs> how much news has been made by these images and what and what have you actually accomplished in terms of blocking shell's activity well uh, the amount of media attention is almost incalculable it's been massive I think that we've captured a moment, not because of our own brilliance, but because of, you know, just the fate. And, uh, and so people were ready for this David and Goliath confrontation. Uh, the, 
the colorfulness, the uh, the beauty of being on the water, the juxtaposition of these kayaks with this monstrous rig, and all it represents uh, is sort of in, you know, they have no choice but to, uh, the mainstream press has no choice but to cover it. It just can't help itself. Um, material difference that we've made thus far, well, you know, uh, Shell's stock price has um, come down uh, at least uh, temporarily uh, recently, and uh, the uh, the connection in people's minds of Arctic drilling with climate uh, chaos or destabilization is uh, is inescapable now. Uh, we can't untap uh, a you know decades more of uh, fossil fuels and put it into the atmosphere when we're uh, and not think that it's going to have an effect on the climate. Uh, so that's inseparable. The idea, after all of these other spills from Santa Barbara to the to uh, you know uh, the Deepwater Horizon to uh, Exxon Valdez, the idea that we can't that we could put something as uh, treacherous and dangerous up in the Arctic um, and and keep it from doing ecocidal damage is obscene to people considering we can't control it in much friendlier territories so those things are all um, making a big difference in people in the political mindset around where are we as a society as a people on this planet in relationship to fossil fuels the no. um the political calculus i i like to think of politics as the art of the possible and calculus as the mathematics of changing variables and we don't get anything by just asking politicians for stuff. We only get results when we shift the social, economic, political variables. Well, we've certainly shifted the variables, and we're changing the political calculus, increasing what's politically possible. I we're not there yet, though. This is all part of the strategy, see? Going out on the 16th for our family-friendly flotilla was a key piece of inserting in people's imagination their potential to stop this rig from going to the Arctic. It's, and now we're going to build off of that, those images, to inspire people to go out on the water when it attempts to untie and leave, and to make Seattle and Elliott Bay the pivot point for shifting away from our fossil fuel-addicted society and toward sustainable, renewable energy-powered transportation and infrastructure and economy and only with a mass movement on the water and on the land can we do that and history is giving us this gift of this opportunity this gift of this moment and it's up to us to step up and step into that story and be the human beings that we want our grandchildren to remember can you give people, Bill Moyer of the Backbone Campaign, can you give people any idea of how you went about planning this and getting together a, a coalition to make it happen in so far as you've built it thus far? Because there's not a place on the planet where there aren't horrible corporations and governments planning horrible destruction of our environment. They're putting an oil pipeline, uh, if they can, through Virginia here and many other places around the country. Uh, you have, what, three and a half people and you've got 
over 300 people into shiny kayaks on the water protesting a, a giant oil rig. How did, you, how did you make that happen? Well, we didn't do it alone. We have lots of organizational friends and allies and partners, and we, uh, I think that the, the, the irresistibility of this moment, the, you know, again, you, we, we didn't manufacture this it manifested for us in, right in front of us. And it wasn't about just being brilliant and doing all this smart stuff. It was about not getting in the way of history. And, and we, Backbone's been around for 11 years plus, and we've used kayaks in the water since 2009 in protest, and we've incorporated that in our training. But, uh, so it was natural for us to take a lead and know that kayaks were an appropriate way on water action was an appropriate way to address this issue. There's so much um, um, emotional, spiritual uh, content when you get on the water. Uh, that experience is all inherently deeper. It's also inherently more dangerous. And so we took that very seriously from the very out onset. And uh, so two things we got into place that were key for us to, uh, was the collaboration of local kayak rental place that was just a neighbor of this terminal uh, and second uh, connection with the local tribe um, the Duwamish tribe whose traditional whose land this is traditionally and um, those two pieces provided sort of a moral authority and a um, logistical capacity um, or the potential for that logistical capacity to grow and so since April 2nd we've done two to three kayak safety and skill trainings per week in preparation for the flotilla on the 16th and now in preparation for the large flotilla that will be we will have to call as a sort of a rapid response action when we get word of their uh, intention to leave. And speaking of trainings, uh, you have a summer action camp coming up. Tell people uh, how they can get involved in that and what it is. Well, localize this, and you can go to localizethis.org, is not your tif- typical action camp. It's not specifically issue-based. It's, it's a movement-building camp, just like Backbone is a movement-building organization. We, uh, we build off of a sense of collective liberation, uh, uh, an, a, an understanding of grand strategy, tactics, and building movement capacity. And doing so with what we call artful activism. And then, so from August uh, 11th to the 17th, we will be holding our seventh annual Localize This Action Camp on the beautiful island of Vashon, uh, only a 15-minute ferry ride from West Seattle. And uh, we invite uh, change agents from all over the country to, and any place else to come and join us for that week an incredible opportunity to do skill shares and deepen your connections and your personal resolve for the work ahead and uh it's a it's it's a growing institution really of and it's actually provided uh the sort of community of 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 skills and relationships to answer this opportunity uh with the shell no campaign like my um, mentor uh, Chuck Spinney says, I and others say, is opportunity favors the prepared, and so we are. We've been preparing, all, as have many others in our movement, 
And so uh, that preparation uh, pays off when um, history presents this opportunity. We've, we've got a minute or two left. Uh, the, this conversation seems to be shifting a little in part because of your incredible actions around uh, Arctic drilling. Uh, but what should people know about what is happening up above Alaska where the ice is melting, but they're seeking to drill and make the problem even worse? Uh, how should people be talking about this? Well, I think sh- people should be thinking about food chain and food system. And with a, uh, a warming ocean, species of fish are, who need colder water are retreating north. People should know that there's no possible way to clean up uh, oil under ice. That people should realize that the, the, the life source of the, some of the very few remaining healthy fisheries in this, on this planet rely upon the healthy Chukchi and, uh, you know, the Arctic Ocean there. We, we, we need um, Arctic Ocean, the, we, the Chukchi Sea and all of that northern sea. I'm not a marine biologist, but I've been listening to a lot of smart people about this. And, um, and it, it, it's besides the in, uh, one of our guests here was the Inupiat uh, elder uh, George Edwardson, who, um, who spoke about the food chain just for his own people and their subsistence and the reliance upon the small fish to feed the sea mammals, to feed the whales, and that's how they survive. So those connections from the traditional land of the Duwamish to the Inupiat to our own future are all present in the work that we're doing right now. Maybe the key to the human heart is through their stomachs, and that'll be a way to reach people. I certainly hope uh, something does. You're doing incredible work. We've been speaking with Bill Moyer of the Backbone Campaign. Go to backbonecampaign.org and localizethis.org. Bill, thanks for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you so much, David. Thanks for all your incredible work and leadership. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio our second guest this week, Diane Whitner. Diane is the Baltimore-based owner of a new zero-waste, all-natural, locally-based cleaning powder business called Ecotopia, ecotopia.org, and it's E-C-H-O, ecotopia.org. Diane developed this unique business bottle with future generations in mind based on her experience of more than 20 years in art education, K-12 through and higher ed, and arts for change. Uh, And I think it is mostly in that work that I have known Diane over the years. You can find an archive of her arts for change work at chesapeakecitizens.org. Chesapeake, as in the Chesapeake Bay, chesapeakecitizens.org. Diane, our friend uh, Bill Moyer was just on the first half of the program, and, and welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. Um, you got me involved uh, with my rootsaction.org hat uh, and online uh, petition and email pressure uh, in a struggle that was recently successful, something that uh, doesn't often get mentioned on this show, anything successful, uh, about stopping a giant trash incinerator proposal in Baltimore. Can you, can you describe that, that struggle? Absolutely. I want to be clear that the struggle is not over yet. We wish it were. As you can imagine, it's a very complex story. So I'll, I'm going to give a brief summary of it, a brief encapsulation. 
Curtis Bay is a neighborhood in Baltimore that's been a neighborhood that's been suffering from environmental injustice. It's been an industrial zone for generations and for decades. And uh, a group that I frequently work with, unitedworkers.org, and a committee of United Workers called Free Your Voice, which is the youth-led committee, and many of those students live in Curtis Bay and either go to or attended the high school there, Benjamin Franklin, the community learned that um, the newest, biggest, most polluting uh, trash-burning incinerator in the country was planned for this time, in this time. And many people from around the state um, were asked to participate in making sure that this didn't happen. And I was one of the um, people honored to be asked to be on the so-called dream team for the Stop the Incinerator Project of Free Your Voice group. Where we are now, David, is that our, our campaign... One phase of the campaign, which just ended this last April, was to get 22 public entities who had agreed to buy dirty energy from Energy Answers, which is the name of the um, Orwellian, the Orwellian name of the company who was going to build the incinerator. These 22 entities had told Energy Answers that they would be happy to buy uh, dirty energy from the from the company. And our job, we decided that the a politically strategic thing to do was to pressure them individually and in, in combinations to cancel their contract. And most, if not all, of these public entities have now canceled their contract for, for purchasing dirty energy from the incinerator. So we are off to a good start. That is wonderful, and it and it really was a community and student-led effort with uh, with some wonderful uh, videos. Is there a is there a one ideal place people can go who want to learn more or get involved or help make sure that th- this stays a success? Yes, please. First of all, thank you. I, I believe you were the first person who wrote an article with uh, sharing a Vimeo and also a map on this very subject. I think it was in October of 2013 called Martin O'Malley and the Poisoning of the Children of Baltimore. So that was a very pointed title. Uh, Please have people go to unitedworkers.org or Free Your Voice group on Facebook. So that's unitedworkers.org or Free Your Voice group on Facebook. There's also stoptheincinerator.com and that's a WordPress website. Uh, We are always seeking... uh, any allies and any assistance for for projects we're doing. We just completed a wonderfully fun and hopeful a sunflower parade and concert, uh, and the mood was slightly dampered by all of the events that have been going on in Baltimore. But because United Workers is a human rights-based organization, I think United Workers is taking on the bigger picture anyway. In the meantime, the struggle to stop the incinerator and put in place some sort of clean energy alternative, such as a solar uh, panel farm is very much in the conversation now. And of course, anyone who's uh, taking an interest in Martin O'Malley for president uh, is uh, obviously new to this program and hasn't learned anything yet, but uh, should pay attention to this uh, story of this trash incinerator proposal in Baltimore. Uh, but let's talk about your new uh, enterprise, Diane, which you told me you've been working on getting started since before this trash incinerator uh, issue arose, uh, and that is a, a business that, among other things, uh, generates zero trash. Yes. So, David, you know, as you know, I've been an arts educator for many years, 
and I've been working in Arts for Change for many years. And um, a big uh, common theme is the idea of creative problem solving and being the solution and figuring out how to think outside the box and then behave in ways that take us outside the box. So it would be wonderful if people such as myself could uh, make changes in our personal lives so that from today to tomorrow we all abandon fossil fuel dependence, for instance, and have windmills in our backyard and solar panels on our roofs or go off-grid and eliminate our need for cars and all that. That's not realistic given what government policies are like. So one of the things that has interested me over many years is how in my little day-to-day life I could make some changes. Several years ago, David, I started thinking about the fact that power does lie with people, and the power to change things in ways we need does lie with people, it's true, but it's also very much about economics. And as somebody who's been in education in the arts, that's been a subject I haven't delved into much. I decided this was a chance to do it. So I decided that I was tired of all the plastic that was entering into my house based on stuff I had to buy, because we know that plastic is a byproduct of fossil fuels. And we've everybody's beginning to understand we need to turn away from fossil fuel culture. I began to experiment with more affordable and zero-waste opportunities to just make cleaning powder products in my home. I admit there's an irony to this because I'm not somebody who's very interested in being a you know, domestic goddess. I don't stay up late at night thinking about this subject. It's not particularly sexy. But what I found, David, was that if I looked outside to my little garden, which is a small garden, I could find all sorts of ways to take advantage of nature's abundance in my small garden, incorporate some beautiful fragrant herbs from my garden into the powders, and have them suddenly be useful and actually delightful uh, to use. And another thing that's a big interest of mine is to imagine an economy and even small businesses all working together, none of whom are just trying to be less bad, but businesses that are actually trying to be beneficial toward uh, the environment, toward you know, making our planet healthier, to building biodiversity. So another thing that wasn't, this has been an absolute treat for me, and it's been a steep learning curve, is that I grow native perennial wildflowers, um, again, in my teeny garden. And what happens is you understand that nature has so much abundance and such grace and has such genius that it's fun to figure out how to incorporate all of that into what we do. I took a lot of, I took native perennial flower seeds from my garden and turned them into homemade paper that are now my label. So not only are we using all natural ingredients that smell wonderful from, with herbs from my garden, for every sale that I have, we're going to be increasing biodiversity by planting these seeds. So it's imagining a completely different kind of economy than the one we have in this bioregion. So you can even plant, on a very small scale. So you can plant the label. Yep, yep, yep. I call them seed rounds. Yeah. Wonderful. And and so and so, what's wrong with commonly used cleaning products? Why not just put them in better containers? Why make new ones? And and on the other hand, what's wrong with my approach of of just leaving your house dirty? Well, I think when we're busy trying to make the world better, a better place, we often leave our homes dirty. So I'm not advocating that people go home and start scrubbing their homes. I, I, use, I try to use a humorous phrase, David, in this, in this fundraising campaign I'm doing, and I'm just saying let's clean it up. So, uh, you know, we can also imagine cleaning up our bioregion we're, while we're using different um, kinds of products. The one thing to keep in mind is that this is a micro-solution. 
um, that, and it's not um, a sexy solution. It's not large scale, like I said, in terms of transforming our energy use, or it's, um, but it's still important. So, for instance, when when we buy things from faraway places that were made in faraway places, whose containers were perhaps manufactured in places such as China, what we're doing is we are robbing our local economies of our money, our hard-earned money. And we actually need to learn at a societal level and at a smaller scale to recirculate uh, the money that we earn and the money that we spend into our economy. We have a struggling economy, as you know, at the national level and all the way on down to the local level. And by making things and purchasing things that are local or regional, we wind up helping ourselves. And by having a zero-waste culture, which I'm sure humans did for millennia up until the post-World War II period, we don't need incinerators and we don't need landfill. And they both uh, produce toxins. And the public health costs of pollution, um, those are costs we know very well and that we bear with great uh, with, with tragedy, really, you know, with tragic results. So, so Ecotopia, and again, it's E-C-H-O-T-O-P-I-A, ecotopia.org, is going to make products that can only be purchased in the Baltimore, Maryland area, I take it. Do you, are you able to advise someone or set up a franchise for someone who wants to do something similar in their region? Uh, great question. It's too soon to know. I hope to do that. I hope to have my teeny company be um, participate in something that many of us are calling the solidarity economy now. But uh, once I've gotten established and I've raised enough money for my startup funds, that's certainly something I'll think about. And and you have uh, an Indiegogo campaign set up to uh, to raise money for this now? I do. I do. And thank you for asking. I have never done this before because I've always been in the nonprofit universe. But as I said, uh, power sometimes has to do with economics. So under Indiegogo, you can look up Ecotopia, E-C-H-O-T-O-P-I-A. And that would be wonderful um, if people were to help us with this. This is unless the Koch brothers come through, as we're expecting. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. I'd be surprised. I once um, did a political theater action in relation to the Koch brothers. I don't, not that they'd find it, but anyway, yes, it would be fun if the Koch brothers helped, too. Uh, I certainly hope they have found it. Uh, we, we have about a minute and a half left. You mentioned a poem you wanted to, to read a bit of. Is there is there time to fit that in here? Absolutely. So you and I know one another from, um, from some years back, David, and I respect your uh, peace work so much, and I'm so grateful for your having participated in our, the Backbone Campaign Progressive Cabinet Project that Bill and I did for so many years. And there's a gentleman who was a, a poet named Joseph Brodsky. He was a Soviet dissident poet. Sure. And he wrote a poem called New Life. And the reason I thought this poem might be interesting to you is because it links the idea of our imagining the world we need with the importance of the material objects that we surround ourselves with. After all, we, we are in bodies, and we are physical bodies that move around in you know, physical places. So this is called, the poem is called New Life. And I'll just read the beginning of one stanza, and then I'll jump to the end of another. 45 um, seconds. Okay. Imagine that war is over, that peace has resumed its reign. Each thing is vulnerable. The very thought about a thing gets quickly forgotten. Things are, in truth, the leeches of thought. And this is why it's important to have all the material things in our lives, including something as seemingly insignificant as our cleaning powder products and our, their containers, 
and all of the things we surround ourselves with be part of life's grace and genius and enhancement. It is. I'm going to put that poem at talknationradio.org along with the other links. It is so wonderful that you are doing both the political and the, the local, and you are doing it with artistry. Uh, Diane Whitner, thank you for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you very much for having me, David. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.